We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to our weekly classified Greyman Intelligence audio brief. Over the next few minutes, Wesley from Super SE is going to share with you the most important survival intelligence stories that have occurred over the past week from the Greyman Briefing. This timely and concise reporting will help you to stay sharp and be well ahead of the knowledge curve so that you can be better prepared for what's coming down the road. All right, Wes, take it away. All right, thanks, David. So we'll get right into the brief. From the Gray Man Briefing, this is a weekly recap of news and developments for your situational awareness, as always, with the bottom line up front. First up is the Second Amendment briefing topic. We're going to cover everything dealing with the 2A, any legal updates, anything that's come out, but we're not going to be able to go into too much detail. So keep in mind, if you want to hear more about each one of these stories, we've covered it on the Gray Man Briefing. We have analysis. We have sources cited. Let's get right into it. Affecting the nation, the ATF has lost a bump stock ban case. It sets in motion a path to a national overturn of that ban. This comes after the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that bump stocks are not a machine gun part prohibited by the ATF's Gun Control Act. As it stands, an overturning of the ATF's ban on bump stocks is very possible as it all hinges on the ATF's redefining of the terms pull and function. And the courts have recently been ruling in favor of the Second Amendment following that landmark Bruin case. Over in the state of Illinois, a judge has blocked the enforcement of the state's assault weapons ban. This is the one that made it illegal for rifle magazines to hold more than 10 rounds, handgun mags to have more than 15 rounds. It's the one that formed the ATF strike team and banned certain gun parts. This came four months after the Protect Illinois Community Act, or PICA, was signed into law. A federal judge issued a preliminary injunction blocking the enforcement of PICA. The judge's opinion was that the law was likely unconstitutional and does not harmonize with the guidelines set forth in that landmark Bruin case. A lot's going on in the background with this one. There's a lot of different cases. We'll just recommend you to head over to the briefing to read a little bit more about this one. Over in the state of Alaska, the House has passed HB 61. This is the bill that prohibits the state and local government from citing a declared state of emergency as a pretext to close lawful firearm businesses or restrict citizens' access to firearms, ammo, and accessories. The bill maintains an exception if the measure is applied equally to all forms of commerce. It's been assigned to the Senate Judiciary Committee for further consideration. Affecting the nation, a federal judge out of Virginia has struck down a federal law banning adults between the age of 18 to 20 from purchasing a handgun. The judge ruled it unconstitutional. This next one's over in the state of Vermont. This dabbles a little bit also with the First Amendment. Vermont, the state, has banned tactical and firearms training if the state deems a reasonable person would know that the training they're receiving could be something they could use for tactics for civil disobedience. Very confusing. Basically, what's going on here is there is a training facility in Paulette, Vermont. 
and they kept trying to shut this training facility down because some officials deemed that they were using it to train up a paramilitary force and they couldn't get it shut down because you know you're allowed to train so they ended up having an environmental court shut it down so now they're introducing more legislation specifically bill s3 to help close down any form of tactical and firearms training that basically they determine could be used in the furtherance of civil disorder. Yep, that's happening in Vermont right now. Over in Florida, the state has banned firearm purchase tracking via credit and debit card transactions. The governor signed CSSB 214 into law. The bill blocks the implementation of the Merchant Category Code, that's the MCC that we've covered a lot in the past on the briefing. The bill prohibits payment settlement entities and merchant inquiry entities from basically assigning merchant category codes that can be used to track and facilitate what's actually being purchased at different stores. Over in Delaware, the Senate has passed a bill to require citizens to pay for training and a permit before buying handguns. The lower class, those who don't have as much money, will get vouchers to pay for these new requirements. In an update to that earlier Illinois briefing we gave you, the Supreme Court of the United States has allowed the assault weapons ban to remain intact while the courts deliberate. This is again the one about the rifle mags over 10, handguns over 15. So SCOTUS has ruled it's going to remain in effect until the courts decide what's going to happen. And finally, a little political rhetoric. The Vice President, Vice President Harris, referred to citizens who open carry and also have pro-life beliefs. She called them extremists. In an appearance in Georgia, the VP said, quote, These extremists, their claim to be for life, but instead of acting to save lives from gun violence, extremists, state by state, made it legal to open carry a gun without even a permit or background check. Obviously, that's incorrect. Everywhere requires a background check, but not everywhere requires a permission slip to purchase a firearm. And that's it for the Second Amendment. Let's move on. Let's move over into border security. As everyone knows, Title 42 ended there around May 11th. The White House sent out about 1,500 U.S. Army and Marine troops to assist, not in securing the border, but in processing the expected influx of illegal immigrants. Leading up to the ending of Title 42, there were multiple days of 10,000 plus entering the U.S. per day. After Title 42 ended, the expected influx, there was still near record numbers, but it wasn't what a lot of people were projecting. I think they were trying to be ready for 18,000 coming a day, and it dropped below 10,000. Still, in El Paso, they extended their declaration of an emergency over that border crisis. The city itself was seeing 500 people enter a day. Officials there in El Paso were actually out handing leaflets telling people, look, go back to any sort of NGO, go back to any of our migrant shelters, you will not be deported, you'll face no repercussions, we just can't handle you here. We're seeing cities overran, and you're seeing a lot about New York right now, they're converting hotels into shelters, they've converted, I want to say it was 20 different high schools into shelters, including you know schools that are still in session. There was cartel activity right there on the far Reynosa International Bridge, shooting back and forth. And we, just a couple of days ago, we saw an Afghan national on the terror watch list make it into the U.S. So things are still popping off at the border, and we'll give you an update on the next podcast. And moving over into our censorship brief, 
Let's look at Brazil. The courts there have banned the Telegram app. This is the private messaging app. They say that the app has refused to comply with judicial orders to suspend and delete accounts spreading what the government deems to be disinformation and election interference. Furthermore, the courts have said that Telegram failed to comply with requests to share users' data with the federal government. And back in the U.S., the president of Thomas Jefferson University, who's also an immunologist, faced internal investigations and defamation by mainstream media after he engaged, this is liking or clicking hearts, on approximately 30 tweets on Twitter that described, quote, gender reassignment surgery as child mutilation and those that questioned the effectiveness of COVID-19 vaccines. Keeping in line with social media, TikTok will employ independent fact-checking partners in a new campaign to counter what the social media outlet and scientific consensus determines to be misinformation related to climate change. The enforcement of, quote, content denying the existence of climate change or the factors that contribute to it, end quote, was announced on Earth Day. And let's shift into our cybersecurity briefing. Killnet, a pro-Russian hacking collective, they've claimed responsibility for an attack on defense.gov. This is the U.S. Defense Department, their actual website. They've also claimed responsibility for an attack on NATO assets. We, we dig more into this on the briefing. Again, I don't want to go into too much detail for time here. Also, another cybersecurity incident. Going back to Texas, also dealing with that Allentown, Allen Premium Outlets shooting the Dallas Police Department had to conduct a, a warrant service investigation following up on that because apparently the guy's family lives in, in Dallas. Well, a little bit before that, they suffered a ransomware attack. It disabled their emergency services, their CAD systems. Officers sitting in their car couldn't access information. A couple of weeks ago, after it happened, they also found out it affected the fire department's servers, the entire city's servers. Payments for the courts weren't able to be processed. They're still recovering from this. Things are still affected there. But for at least two weeks, you know, police officers in the area couldn't access their CAD, their MDT, and, and use the services there because of this ransomware attack. It's a royal, it's a royal ransomware. Next up is our educational system brief in Florida. They have passed a law requiring high school students to receive instruction in managing taxes and bank accounts. This is SB 1054. And let's talk about the bus driver shortage. For three years, School bus driver shortages have continued to plague school districts and parents often leaving children stranded in school. A couple of examples for you. In Kansas, one district cut 10 bus routes, forcing 700 students to find alternative transportation. In Texas, Iowa, Kentucky, and many other places, unfilled driver positions are being filled by teachers, coaches, and admin staff. They've also been counseling bus routes as well. In Vermont, some districts are operating at just 60% staffing for school bus drivers. In Indiana, multiple school districts have closed in-person school learning to shift to e-learning because there are not enough bus drivers, especially after some call out sick, to be able to pick up kids and bring to school. In North Carolina, last-minute notifications are being sent out as little as 30 minutes before school lets out or school starts, alerting parents there's no bus driver for their route. This situation is ongoing. You can read more about it, again, at graymanbriefing.com. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. 
Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. And let's get into our health and safety briefing. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, their Youth Risk Behavior Surveillance System, found that 24.5% of U.S. high school students identify as LGBTQ. The report compiled 2021 data reflects 11% increase in those identifying, or those minors identifying as LGBT compared to the 2015's findings. The new report shows that 12.2% identified as bisexual 5.2 percent were questioning well i won't go too much into it but the gist is they're saying more and more minors are identifying as lgbt on march 20th a correspondence with the fda and good meats they found out that good meats is now good what is good meats this is the one that's making lab-grown cultured chicken foods along with other type of chicken foods but they get cells and cultures they make fake meat out of it they process it in a vat they cut it into slabs so as it stands it now has fda approval for humans to eat it it only needs the usda approval and you'll start seeing it this lab cultured grown fake meat you'll start seeing it in grocery stores and in restaurants Separately, the FDA has issued a warning to citizens that approximately 500,000 COVID-19 test kits pose, quote, safety concerns and bacterial contamination, end quote, risk to the consumers using them. The FDA said that there are significant concerns of bacterial contamination in the pilot COVID-19 at-home test liquid solution. This can cause infection, fever, discharge, red eyes, and other concerning symptoms, as well as, quote, false test results, end quote. And in North Carolina, the governor had his veto overturned. This is dealing with SB 20, the bill that bans most abortions after 12 weeks. The state previously banned abortions after 20 weeks. The new bill requires women wanting an abortion to meet in person with a physician at least 72 hours before the procedure. The bill does have exceptions for rape, incest, and fetal anomalies. Let's get into our infrastructure briefing. On May 2nd, Verizon customers in California experienced a statewide outage for what appeared to be about 30 minutes, maybe up to an hour. Impacted customers, they were unable to make calls or use their cellular services due to a, quote, routing issue. And in Minnesota, the Metro Transit authorities alerted citizens that all light rail services were suspended due to a critical communications error. Finally, in Wisconsin, there was a train derailment on the Lansing Bridge. This is the one uh, there in Ferryville, Wisconsin. FEMA, Wisconsin Emergency Management, they all responded. We looked into this for a few days. This is the one where the train cars, the rail cars, actually spilled over into the Mississippi River. I haven't looked at it lately, but last I looked, they never announced what was in those, those rail cars, so it may be something to look into further. This actually happened on April 27th, and I still haven't found a good update on it. And let's move into our major crime briefing. In California, the governor has ordered the California National Guard to coordinate with law enforcement. This is the police department there, the DA's office, and the highway patrol in order to combat crime within the city. Specifically, they're looking at the fentanyl trafficking crisis. Looking back at another major crime event dealing with border security, a mass murderer who killed five people. This is the one who killed his neighbors after they complained on him for firing a rifle next door. This happened in Texas. 
He's been identified as an illegal immigrant from Mexico. He was deported from the U.S. twice in 2009. Then he made it back in and was deported again in 2012. He made it back in. He was deported again in 2016. He re-entered the U.S. through unsecured borders after each deportation. The suspect was arrested back in May on May 2nd after that four-day manhunt. We've also covered the other mass casualty event there in Texas at the Allen Premium Outlets. This is the one where he killed eight people and injured seven other. They immediately called him a white supremacist. Obviously, he's a Hispanic. All the evidence of his white supremacy is coming from a Russian social media page. We're not going to go too deep into this one. Again, we've covered his ideologies, his motives on our service at greatmanbriefing.com, but it's literally just too much to go into detail here on the podcast. Also in Texas, a man drove a vehicle into at least 13 people in Brownsville, Texas. Seven were killed. Six or 11 were injured. The driver was arrested and is identified as a Hispanic male. The man drove the vehicle up on the curb towards the crowd at a bus station, frequently used by illegal immigrants and lawful migrants and other locals. There's a shelter there, apparently. And moving into our national security and national defense brief, a human military source revealed that the U.S. military is planning for a kinetic war with China by 2025. Military draft is also expected. This is going to obviously include civilians. But surprisingly enough, also those on IRR or NNRPS, those who've recently got out of the military and are not obligated to come back in, along with those who are still in their individual ready reserve. So this is a major thing, a draft potential by 2025. They've also okayed a four-week basic training for the Navy, focusing on just basic combat. And Biden has authorized $500 million in arms to be sent to Taiwan. China responded saying they'll, quote, smash any U.S. attempt to interfere. Also, the CIA has set up a telegram channel specifically to reach out to individuals in other countries, primarily Russia, if they want to inform the agency on anything going on in their countries. Separately, in Wyoming and also kind of California, 60,000 pounds of ammonium nitrate have gone missing. This is according to a May 10 report made by the Federal National Response Center. An explosive company, Dino Noble, was carrying 30 tons of explosive material. They put it in the rail car in Wyoming, April 12th. Then on April 26th, they discovered it's missing. They don't know where it is. The rail car is empty. The seal is still there. It hasn't been broken. They're investigating right now. But keep in mind, ammonium nitrate this is commonly used in explosives. It's owned by an explosive company that's reported it missing. This is the same stuff that was used in the Oklahoma City bombing in 1995 and that major incident in Lebanon where 200 people were killed, 7,000 injured back in 2020, I think it was. Now, moving into our supply chain briefing, let's talk about those heavy rains that California had in January and February and in March. So, the rains for the first two months of the year was pretty much positive overwhelmingly, but as the rains persisted through February, concerns began to grow because if it continued to rain through March, which it did, it was going to cause issues. Flooding, the inability for farmers to plant new crops, and already it's become a disaster. Basically, you've got maybe a week or two to seize on the current prices of things like artichokes, dates, garlic, broccoli, cauliflower, walnuts, strawberries, 
wide variety of nuts and vegetables and berries that the state produces before prices are expected to go up. And in Texas, the South Fork Dairy experienced an explosion, killed 18,000 cows, fire spread to one of the dairy cow or multiple dairy cow holding pens. I want to say 11 agencies responded to that and they're saying it's the largest cattle barn fire in the nation's history. So expect some issues with that related to our food supply from cows. So today we're gonna to end with our civil unrest briefing. I just wanna give everyone a quick notice. We left out our government overreach and government oversight briefings for this series, this podcast. I think next time we're gonna do a specific episode that will cover both of those just because there's so much that the Gray Man Briefing has covered on overreach and oversight. We can't fit it into this episode. So our next episode will primarily cover just overreach and oversight. Let's finish today with civil unrest. In Georgia, the Fulton County District Attorney has disseminated a security awareness letter to local law enforcement, warning them that there may be a need for heightened, this is quote, heightened security and preparedness, pending an announcement of indictments related to the 2020 election inquiry involving President Trump and his allies. That case that she's looking at is that phone call that Trump made to the governor's office back in 2020. The DA is expected to impanel a grand jury using findings from a special grand jury to bring charges against Trump. This will happen as early as July 11th or as late as September 1st. The DA advised law enforcement that alleged OSINT intelligence indicated an announcement of these charges, quote, may provoke a significant public reaction. So these next couple of topics I'm literally just going to give the bottom line up front. Hopefully I give you enough that if you want to look more into it, you can find it online. Of course, we cover each one of these events in greater detail on the Gray Man Briefing. I'm going to get right into it. It's going to be short and sweet for each little event. Christians were arrested for preaching in Canada. LGBT activists vandalized a Utah lawmaker's home and surrounded the Montana House chambers opposing the two states' bills that ban gender-affirming surgeries for minors. There, seven were arrested. Three Antifa and BLM affiliates were arrested for assault while counter-protesting a drag story hour at a pizza bar in Texas. Anti-child grooming activists protested against drag story hour in California. Families of victims of COVID-19 vaccine deaths postered, this is where they stick up leaflets on the wall, they postered a CBC building in Canada. Extinction Rebellion and climate activists shut down traffic ahead of the White House Correspondents' Dinner in D.C. Specifically, they went all over the Georgia Washington Memorial Parkway, blocking cars from passing. In Florida and Georgia, Antifa assaulted House representatives, and they doxed Stop Cop City-involved officer. Patriot Front protested in Massachusetts against SatanCon 2023. LGBT activists were forcibly removed after protesting a ban on gender-affirming surgeries while disrupting the Texas Senate. In New York City, protests and riots are ongoing after the veteran, the Marine, who put a erratic man into a chokehold that allegedly led to his death there on the subway. The man is the one that's been arrested 40 plus times, at least three assaults on the subway, kidnapping a seven-year-old child, and he's been laid to rest in a, I think, an ivory and gold coffin with, you know, everyone coming out support you know the criminal that was killed and 
Meanwhile, the veteran has been arrested after these protests calling for his arrest. In Columbus, Ohio, Nazis are now protesting an outdoor drag show event there at the Land Grant Brewery. Anti-police criminals in Kentucky vandalize a monument honoring falling officers. Again, Patriot Front marched in D.C. against, quote, tyranny. Gun control activists that were out canvassing the neighborhood, passing out political flyers against gun usage, against the Second Amendment. Two of these people, two of these gun control activists ended up shooting each other. And in Nebraska, pro-choice and LGBT activists gathered at the state capitol protesting the Let Them Grow Act. This is the bill that bans abortions and gender-affirming care. They disrupted proceedings, threw tampons on the ground, assaulted officers, six people were arrested. And finally, in Minnesota, Muslim activists rioted in support of their politician that was running for the city council there. Uh, there were at least two injuries and the proceedings had to be canceled and an emergency meeting was scheduled. So before we head out of here, let us know what you think of these briefs by emailing us at help at ultimatesurvivaltips.com or you can contact us through our website and the home base for this podcast, ultimatesurvivaltips.com. If you'd like to be even further ahead of the preparedness curve and get daily briefs from Wes delivered privately to you, Wes is giving Survival Show podcast subscribers $1 off the normal monthly subscription cost of $5. So for only $4 a month, you can get daily intelligence briefings from Wes when you go over to graymanbriefing.com and enter code GBCUST at checkout. All right, that's about it. Thanks for joining us today. Until next time, keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp. <laughs>